It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. In episode 133, we discuss our thoughts on the first week of the League's Cup, how the International Champions Cup is doing in the TV ratings, our favourite games of the past week, plus letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I'm joined by my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Uh, for any new listeners that haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast, what we do on a weekly basis is dive into the soccer media business, um, specifically the, the streaming, uh, television, so and everything uh, in regards to that as far as whether it's uh, TV rights, production quality, our favorite commentators, uh, some tips and tricks about how to, to get the most... Uh, bang for your buck to watch uh, soccer from around the world as well as locally and much much more all right Kartik so let's let's kick things off uh, this week by talking about what we've been watching um, for, for me personally I haven't had a chance to watch as much as I would like normally uh, this week was the week of my move so I moved up from South Florida to North Florida and just settling in but uh, I did catch a few games so um how about you kick it off as far as some of the uh, the games that stood out for you for this past week that you watched? Yeah, so um, I watched uh, um, the Liverpool Dortmund game on uh, on TNT, and uh, the thing that was con- uh, disconcerting about that was that there was a lot of uh, uh, obviously they went with the Liverpool TV crew, right? Um, instead of the what we had announced on this podcast last, this previous week, which would have been Kev Egan and Charlie Davies. They had Kalen Carr and Charlie Davies in uh, the Atlanta studio. At least I believe it was in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Davies gave more analysis at halftime uh, than um, Jason McAteer, who was the Liverpool uh, TV announcer, had the whole entire first half about tactics and about Dortmund, uh, again, I mean, I guess if you're, if you're a Liverpool fan, and I'm sure 90% of the people watching were Liverpool fans, uh, that, that crew was fine. Uh, but there was no um, 
there was no real kind of tactical analysis or evaluation of, of Dortmund uh, and how they were playing. And it was uh, Gio Reyna, a U.S. Youth International's uh, first start. And uh, it was really good to see him in the first team with a squad number, number 38, even though that's a high squad number. Uh, that's not a number 68 or, you know, 75 that we see on some of these young players. So um, it, was a, it was a good match. It was an entertaining match for a preseason match. Dortmund looked uh, sh- sharper. I, I really like the addition of Julian Brandt uh, on uh, Julian Brandt onto that team. So that was uh, that was entertaining. Watch the Open Championship all weekend. The on, NBC- so yeah, let, me, let me just chime in, in in terms of the Liverpool game too. I mean, I mean that's the thing though that's unfortunate is that um, TNT keeps on making the same mistakes. Well, not the same mistakes, but they keep on making mistakes over and over again. And, and like you said, to having that crew that was a uh, LFC uh, TV crew. You mean definitely made it one-sided in terms of the analysis, and, and even the analysis, like you said, too, is very weak. As one example, I mean, uh, Paco Alcazar, uh, the star striker for Dortmund, who's been so great in the Bundesliga, uh, the commentator for LFC uh, TV was Steve Hunter, and he kept on calling him Pablo uh, Alcazar. Um, yeah, and 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 it, and it and it just in terms of, I mean. In some ways, I mean, for me personally, I had no issues with this. But for some American uh, viewers and listeners, they may have wanted a uh, subtitles across the bottom because it was a really thick Scouse accents. And this is something that, uh, yes, taking the LFC TV feed of this match, I mean, TNT could have easily had, you know, I don't know Kevin Egan, or maybe he was busy, but I mean, Charlie Davis or... Uh, Callan Carr doing the commentary uh, for this game, which would have been better than LFC uh, TV. And for Dortmund fans, I feel sorry for them. I mean, they would have watched this game going, just shaking their heads, going like, this is all about Liverpool. Um, but having said that, the, the attendance for the game was great. I mean, it was great to see a game at the Notre Dame uh, Stadium, over 40,000 watching this one. The game itself, I enjoyed it. I thought the game was good and, and uh, just again, disappointing, kind of amateurish. Uh, coverage by TNT hopefully for this next upcoming season they're learning from their mistakes and improving things but uh, overall wasn't too impressed but 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 back to you where you're mentioning uh, some of the uh, the next games yeah so the the uh, they're very I watched very little football this week um, open championship I watched it was littered with Premier League ads um, on NBC the entire weekend uh, which was good to see virtually every commercial break they have this thing on uh, NBC which the other channels that cover golf really haven't uh uh, come around to which is just playing through the break so essentially what they do is they have very few pure commercial breaks and I think they've learned this from soccer to be honest with you because of the limited ad time. So what they do is um, they put the uh, the continued action because golf never stops. Really, people who don't watch golf may not realize um, this is why I can watch golf and not watch baseball, for instance, or not watch cricket. Uh, baseball and cricket have all these stoppages, right? It's the whole, most of the matches stoppages. Same thing with American football. Uh, golf, um, there's constantly action because you're going from one um, one hole to another, one uh, uh, set of action to another. So. Basically, um, they play through the break and they show commercials uh, in three quarters of the screen and they keep, um, keep keep the action going on one quarter of the screen. And there were Premier League ads constantly. Um, the other thing that was uh, pretty telling about NBC's coverage this week was that they brought in Sky 
every now and then on the covers. Now, they have really good golf coverage. Uh, 30 years ago, when I was a golf fanatic, when I was a little kid, uh, NBC was the worst of the three networks at covering golf. Now they're the best. In fact, uh, ABC doesn't cover golf anymore, and Fox is really bad. And CVS has coverage is roughly the same as it was 30 years ago. They've become very innovative. They've become very good, like they are at the Premier League, masters of, of, of their trade. Uh, so I, I don't... It worries me to bring in Sky, who, by the way, for those of you who, who know the UK television scene, have monopolized golf in that country, right? They've taken all golf off of terrestrial ter- television and put them behind uh, uh, the satellite paywall. So um, that concerns me about continued synergy on the Premier League side. I know there are a lot of people out there who, 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 who prefer uh, commentary, any commentary that comes from Britain, that originates from Britain, than from the United States. So they think that the more you integrate Sky, the better. But I think as we've seen with Sky Sports News and some of the other things, um, the existing NBC coverage is probably better, right? And, and there are places where Sky can complement NBC's coverage, but you don't want it to bleed in too much. Mm-hmm. And at least with this golf coverage, it didn't bleed in too much. It was um, uh, it was still essentially the NBC product with a little bit of Sky contribution. So um it's, that was good yeah it's almost with, with sky it's almost as if there's two separate divisions within sky sports uh which is the sky sports news which is very sensationalized which is very uh insular in terms of uh, the, the, the things they talk about uh, if they have the coverage to it they'll discuss it if they don't have the rights to it they'll completely ignore it um and, and then the other side which is sky sports television which is in terms of their broadcast of Premier League matches and uh, because they have so few games that they televise in comparison to the United States uh, the coverage uh, for for the most part is actually really good especially I mean Monday Night Football with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and so on and so forth so it it depends which which side NBC Sports chooses to go ahead and leverage that talent and that analysis having said that it's still not perfect by any means, um, but uh, yeah, th- this season, especially Kartik, is going to be one t- of interest to watch. We saw that last season in terms of NBC Sports picking and choosing different bits and pieces of Sky Sports's coverage of the Premier League and leveraging that and incorporating that. This season, I have a feeling they're going to they're they're do more of that, but depending on what they pick and choose, in some ways, it, it, it's a good spot to be in in terms of you have all of your NBC crew who are very experienced and, and very talented and now you have at your disposal an opportunity to cherry pick the, the Sky Sports coverage that could uh, accentuate and, and enhance uh, the coverage that you already have of the Premier League so I'm excited it's just uh, what just just a few weeks away so um, one of the other things I watched this week, Kartik, was uh, this, this. This blew me away. For any listeners, uh, yourself included, Kartik, if you didn't watch it um, on on YouTube, Bournemouth has been doing the preseason training, and uh, they decided to mic up uh, Eddie Howe. Which sometimes when I hear or hear the the phrase "mic up," I'm like, "Oh God, no, please!" Because we've had what well, I think in MLS games we've had referee or friendlies we've yeah. had referees mic'd up. We've had even coaches right mic'd up during games and, and and it seems like to be i don't know just 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 something that's done that doesn't really work out that well but this was really interesting because you had a, in a preseason training i think uh, bournemouth i think was in spain or portugal high intensity and you see him going through the the routine in terms of the training 
what he's saying to the players. Um, and, and to me, it gave me a much better appreciation. Of, I mean, I had a good appreciation of Eddie Howe before, but watching this on YouTube, and it's, the video clip is probably maybe like, I don't know, four or five minutes, watching him and listening to him and seeing what he focuses on, it blew my mind. And I was like, wow, this guy is, if I'm a player, I'll, I'll want to run a mile for him, email, do whatever it takes. Really, really good stuff. So it's free. It's on YouTube. If you, if you YouTube uh, Eddie Howe, Mic'd Up, Bournemouth Training, I'm sure it'll come up. And there's actually a series of them. Uh, that was that was eye-opening. That's something I haven't seen before uh, done at that level. Uh, great stuff. Yeah, um, finishing up what I watched, uh, and that, that's a great shout. I need to watch it. what I watched this week. Um, watched the NWSL Chicago Red Stars NC Courage match, um, and I watched it at my parents' house Sunday night. Uh, the uh, the big question for me, and I had never thought about this, Chris, is my dad, who had never seen these two teams before, North Carolina was wearing white. Now, the graphics package that was in- installed showed uh, on the top with the score bug showed Chicago in light blue, which is their color, uh, sky blue, if you will. Um, they're like the city colors of Chicago. The, that, that's what the Red Stars wear. And then North Carolina color- Courage in navy blue. And my dad kept saying, well, why don't they show uh, the color of the uh, of, of the teams? And I said, well, they do. Uh, North Carolina Courage, their uh, color is is navy blue. Um, and then uh, the Red Stars are sky blue. And then I realized he was talking about the kits because the Courage uh, had to wear their change kit, which was white, with um, – with the navy blue strip on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or sure. with with one stripe. So that um, that was something that was interesting because I hadn't really thought about that. When you have a score bug that um, is because uh, I think we're so used to seeing these teams yeah. uh, play, uh, and, and I know it's second nature to me. When you have a score bug that's installed with team graphics, sometimes it confuses the person watching because then because Chicago. He's also wearing blue, even though, again, it's a, it's a lighter blue. There was confusion. My father wasn't sure which team was which. Um, it, it was a good broadcast that Jen Hildreth, who always does, I think, every women's soccer league match, going back to uh, uh, going back to the uh, matches on uh, um, for WPS on Fox ten years ago, uh, was the, was to play did the uh, commentary with Angela Huckels. Um, the thing that was so ironic was they had a record crowd in Chicago for a women's soccer match, a, a women's soccer club match, non-U.S. Uh, women's national team match, uh, over 17,000 at the stadium that used to be called Toyota Park. I forget what it's called now. But um, Sam Kerr stole the show, uh, the Australian international who is one of the greatest players in the world uh, she was forgotten about at the world cup after the u.s uh w- went on their their rampage their their uh run in the knockout stages beating uh france england and uh and the netherlands in succession kerr was one of the stories of the world cup remember until australia got knocked down in the round of 16 but she re- reasserted uh her name as a prominent name at least among fans of the of women's soccer in the United States with that performance. So she was phenomenal to watch, uh, watch the league cup leagues cup this week, uh, two leagues cup matches. Galaxy Tijuana was on ESPN, big ESPN, John champion and Taylor Twelman on the call. Uh, their chemistry is really good. And, uh, for those of you who haven't watched them through the course of the season, and obviously they had done some matches before they did the El Clasico match together that we were at, remember mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah. Um, and they've done some various other games through the years together, but I don't think they've gotten the number of reps where they're doing a match 
together every week until this season. Um, they, they can play off each other's reads really well. And um, Twelman is a guy that um, is excitable during a broadcast, makes great points. Uh, is, to me, is the best co-commentator uh, perhaps the U.S. has ever produced. Champion compliments him perfectly. If anything, yeah. I think it's an even better team than Dark and Twelman. So uh, there were a couple times during this match where uh, Champion – Seeing what was happening in the match was able to tee up Twelman perfectly for analysis. Other points where uh, Champion's kind of dryish sense of humor was able to play off Twelman, what Twelman had said perfectly. So really good team uh, that their chemistry now midway through the MLS season or a little more than midway has uh, developed. And this was a great match between uh, the Galaxy and Tijuana. Galaxy won on penalties. The next night watched uh, Houston and uh, Club America on ESPN Plus. And in that match, um, uh, Houston got the penalty kick, spectacular goal from DeMarcus Beasley that I'm sure a lot of people have seen uh, on YouTube or the MLS website or or Twitter. Uh, But uh, Club America wins on penalties. So uh, that cup competition, which we'll we'll have some information about in a few minutes, uh, I'm actually enjoying it. I know a lot of people are just poo-pooing it, but I'm actually enjoying it, making an effort to watch it. And and so far, the matches have been good. Uh, You can argue about whether a a cup competition, which involves two nations and a 40-team confederation, should have been improved by that confederation. I would argue it should not have been. Uh, That's my argument. But now that the tournament's actually happening, I'm watching it and enjoying it, even though if I were uh, had a CONCACAF, I would have said no to the US and Mexico holding this tournament. What's your opinion about what Grant Wall said about uh, the League's Cup? And and for those uh, listeners who don't know, so he said, uh, he tweeted out, League's Cup is a watered-down nothing tournament where even the teams involved don't play their best lineups, do better MLS and Liga MX. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, so Zlatan and Jonathan Dos Santos did not play for L.A. And there were a lot of Mexican teams that were rotating their teams uh, in and out. I think the only way they make this more meaningful is to put something other than prize money at the end, which is to um, which is to give a berth in the CONCACAF Champions League, potentially, since they have CONCACAF sanctioning, or something of that note. But then I don't think they necessarily want to make it into a Europa League-type tournament by putting that at the end. They want to, they want to elevate it, right? Mm. So are they willing to do that? There is a competition that involves nations from outside these two countries that is essentially a play-in competition to the CONCACAF Champions League that goes on around this time, or will go on in, in – uh, um, a few weeks' time. They could do that. When they ex- expand the tournament next year, which we'll get to in a few minutes, um, that's something they could do. But, yeah, a Wall seems pretty sour on it. A lot of the other typical media that covers MLS seems pretty sour on it. I don't know. I've just watch- I'm just watching the football, Chris. I mean, I, I yeah. can be like they do. They are on a lot of things. You know, people who listen to this show or follow me on Twitter or read my articles know I'm hypercritical and sometimes for a sour puss about this stuff. But, you know, I'm not watching as much MLS this season. I think the MLS product has been watered down by overexpansion and playing a lot of midweek games. And uh, these matches are enjoyable. At least they give me something. They give MLS a target or these MLS clubs a target and give me something different to watch. So, yeah, I've watched uh, two of the four matches in the tournament so far. And my intention is to try and watch as much of it as I can. Uh, Obviously, there are only three more matches uh, this year. But next year it's going to be expanded. 
I, I'm the same as you, Kartik, where um, any soccer is good soccer to watch. I mean, I, I mean, so I have pr- preferences in terms of the style of play and the teams I like to watch and, and uh, the underdogs and those things. But it's, it's very rare that I will you mean switch off a, a game of soccer or be disappointed with a game of soccer. I, I just love soccer. Uh, you mean, that, that's my life, really. But the two things out of this League's Cup, which are interesting, I think, in terms of one, Grant Wall's comment... Uh, this is a tournament, the League's Cup, that has is televised by ESPN and uh, Univision, or now uh, to do do the NA. Uh, this is not a um, a broadcast that uh, Fox is covering, so I, I think that's part of it too. If would Grant Wall have said that uh, about, about League's yeah. Cup if it was a Fox tournament? It's an ESPN uh, tournament, so it's a direct competitor. Chris, I hate to cut cut you off. Uh, I think that might be why I'm watching it too. I hate to say it. I hate to just come out and say that. If these matches had been on Fox, if I didn't know I was getting John Champion and Taylor Twelman, would I watch? Um, probably not. Mm-hmm. So and- for me, it works the opposite way. It's like, oh yeah, it's on ESPN. I'm going to watch it. If it's on Fox, it'll be I'll be like, ah, it'll be a biased MLS broadcast. They'll talk too much. They won't give me the kind of information I need. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And, and no, no, no. And, and the second thing is, is that uh, to me, this tournament, this tournament, 100% is all about being a competitor to the International Champions Cup. So whether you love the ICC or hate the ICC or indifferent to the ICC, this is a direct competition to that. And it's it sums a way of looking at uh, North America and saying, okay, what can we produce and create that's going to be a, a competitor to that um, and try to get those dollars, you mean, that people are spending on, on tickets, let's have them go see uh, Liga MX teams in, in, in L.A. or uh, you mean a game against one of the MLS teams, etc. So you'll notice that there's no MLS teams uh, involved in the ICC, um, but the MLS teams, of course, League's Cup's been a MLS Liga MX some uh, tournament where they're working together on that. Um, as far as some of the other coverage I saw, Kartik, I, I saw the uh, Africa Cup of Nations final uh, between Senegal and, and Algeria. A couple of points about this one which were interesting. I think one is that um, there was really good pre-match coverage with uh, Jeremy St-Louis and uh, Solomon uh, Folorin, uh, which I'm not familiar with, but he's an expert on African soccer. He was great. He had a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Uh, uh, either he's from Nigeria or a Nigeria supporter, but he was able to add a lot of analysis and uh, I mean, kind of information that really helped enhance that coverage of the Africa Cup of Nations. The game itself was very physical. Algeria scored an early goal, and they just they just shut up a sh- a shop, parked the bus, did everything possible. Very physical game, and it wasn't a pretty one to watch by any means. Um, but the interesting thing in this one is, is that the goal that was scored by Algeria in the first few minutes of this game the commentator didn't even realize the ball had gone into the net. It was a weird deflection. It had went over the goalkeeper. Uh, I guess the commentator thought the ball had gone out, or presumed the ball had gone out, and kept on <laughs> kept on commentating. Uh, meanwhile, as soon as he saw the, the the players celebrating, then he switched and like, oh, what a bizarre goal and a bizarre evening. So uh, I think it's one of those things. I'm I'm sure he's calling it off the monitor. Uh, if he had been in the stadium, I'm sure he probably would have s- probably seen better that it actually had gone in the net and wasn't relying on the TV footage in, in terms of he's just calling what he's seen on television. That was strange, and I haven't seen that happen 
in a very 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 long time but uh but still i, I enjoyed watching the final uh even though it wasn't the greatest greatest advert for the africa cup of nations but uh the passion was there uh in the sta- stadium um as well as on by the players on the pitch i watched uh the la galaxy against lafc game kartik on the friday night uh advertised as a 10 p.m kickoff and we talked about this last week the game kicked off at 10 30 uh, eastern time instead but um the first like 20 to 30 minutes of this game were extraordinarily good it was it was it was riveting it was fantastic start to this game and um just just i mean kind of the drama building up into this game was latin in, in terms of some of the things he had said about Carlos Vela uh, and LAFC get the early goal through Carlos Vela in terms of him being fouled in the penalty area then Zlatan coming back the first 30 to 45 well basically the first half w- was fantastic and then, actually, no, 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 the first 30 minutes were fantastic. And then it started getting physical. Then it started getting scrappy. Then it started being, I mean, lots of, like, niggly fouls. And the referee blowing his whistle every couple of minutes. Losing control of the match at times. Uh, players just uh, circling around the, uh, around the ref. And it changed the game. Um, and it became a scrappy game. And eventually, uh, LA Galaxy, uh, in the second half, uh, scored uh, two more goals uh, uh, to win that one. But uh, the first half was definitely a huge thumbs up. Last but not least, I, I watched uh, a preseason match, uh, Exeter against Swansea, and always enjoy looking forward to the new season. Any, anything else, Kartik, that you want to point out that you watched uh, this past week? No, I, I have the um, sporting Liverpool match on uh, on DVR, uh, but it was going on simultaneously with that League's Cup match, uh, the Houston match. So I, I do I do plan on watching that today. Um, I can give some analysis as to whether TNT's coverage was actually more encompassing, not Liverpool TV now. Uh, let's keep in mind, though, uh, Sports Illustrated, which is part of the same media company as uh, SI Now, which is part of the same media company as TNT, already has an existing deal with Liverpool TV. So when um, they went to the Liverpool TV commentators, uh, Hunter and McAteer, on, uh, on Friday, I wasn't as shocked as maybe some other people were. So maybe this broadcast was the same as Friday's, but I, I'll, I'll find out when I watch the DVR. So we're in the summer of 2019, and I think in the future, when we look back to the summer of 2019, we will look at the summer as being the one that was oversaturated with soccer in the United States. Now, I mean, there's, there's been a lot going on this summer already. So we've had the Copa America, uh, we've had the Gold Cup, we've had the Women's World Cup. So three major tournaments being played at the same time for practically a, a month um, with several games. So you, even during the height of those three tournaments, there were uh, as many as seven games a day televised. After that, after those three tournaments, now we're in the stage where we have International Champions Cup, we have the League's Cup, we've got regular season Major League Soccer games, we've got regular season Liga MX games, we have a whole bunch of other teams too that are, that are in the United States doing friendlies, uh, including Liverpool, including Bruce Dortmund, Aston Villa, Derby County, Bristol City, um, Cardiff City, there's, there's just tons of teams uh, from around the world, uh, Boca Juniors, River Plate, uh, that are coming to the United States to play friendlies. And I, and I think in many ways, this is a massive country. Soccer is growing. 
Um, but families only have so much money to spend on tickets. And it's such a big country, too. So you've got uh, teams um, coming over. And it's affecting t- attendances. The attendances for the International Champions Cup are down um, this summer compared to previous summers. There's been some small uh, crowds. But there have been some big, big crowds, too. The Real Madrid game, uh, one of the ones was over 50,000 in, in attendance. Uh yeah, so it's one of those things. Attendances are affected. At the same time, ticket prices haven't gone down. Um, but there's so much to choose from. And, and at the same time, there's so much to watch on television and streaming, so many just choices. Uh, it's, it's in some ways overwhelming. So I think that's what we'll look at 2019, the summer, is oversaturation of these teams uh, coming to the United States and I'm sure some of these teams are disappointed with with the, the attendances they're getting or with the with the um, reception that they're receiving. It's one of those things that um, there's so many other sports too. There's so much going on in in the summer, and I wonder too if this summer of nineteen. Uh, 2019 will impact uh, how many teams come over in the future in the United States. And maybe they'll be heading to Asia more or Australasia or other parts of the world. And we'll still see teams coming to the United States for sure. But uh, at, at, at the epicenter of all this, I think the International Champions Cup is the one that probably needs to do some more thinking in terms of how they market this tournament. Um, this season, especially this summer, they've made a lot of mistakes and uh, that's something that um, they have to be careful about what they do in the future because this is a huge uh, operation, costs a lot of money to, to pay these teams to come out here, and uh, it's a huge undertaking. So anyway, that, that, that's my thoughts on the, the summer of 2019, which will be known in my regard as the oversaturation of soccer. And uh, let's move on to TV streaming news. Not a lot to talk about this week, but uh, definitely... Uh, uh, one that's uh, pretty big for, for next season. Yeah, so some is going to expand the League's Cup from eight teams to 16 teams uh, for the 2020 competition. There'll be eight teams from each uh, league, Major League Soccer and Liga Mekis. And my understanding is there will be teams in, in uh, Liga Mekis that are part of the League's Cup that are also part of the CONCACAF Champions League. I'm not sure how MLS is going to uh, – I think I saw, but I, I don't recall how they're going to uh, allocate their eight spots. Uh, so that is uh, then takes away that whole idea uh, that I had of CONCACAF Champions League qualification at the end. Uh, but it will be a 16-team tournament next year. The thing I want to see with this, I, I'm curious to see, is I think the League's Cup, you're absolutely right, Chris, about um, – it being a, uh, a defensive move by some against uh, the ICC, which is capitalized on uh, uh, the, the desire for people to see summer football and uh, high-level summer inter- international club football in uh, this country. The ICC, I think, being able to t- tie in Chivas is what triggered this. So mm. will Chivas continue to be in the ICC, or will they um, will, will they revert to uh, the, the sum tournament. That's, to me, the big question in the big battleground. Uh, the, the League's Cup could have uh, 50 teams, right? But if they don't have Chivas, uh, there is uh, an advantage to the ICC. Uh, yeah. Because uh, between all the European clubs and then Chivas, who is the co-most popular Mexican club, or the co-most popular club, period, in the United States, along with Club America, mm-hmm. um, they, they uh, they're not able to capitalize on the full popularity of Liga Mekis unless they have Chivas in the tournament. 
Yeah, 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 definitely a good one to look out for. Uh, moving on to TV ratings uh, from this past week. Uh, again, we'll have all the numbers at worldsoccertalk.com on, on the homepage. But um, the, the big number from this past week was uh, Real Madrid against Ars- uh, Arsenal in the International uh, Champions Cup. Uh, 352,000 viewers on this one on ESPN. What's interesting in, in this past week is, is in terms of soccer coverage, it's been mostly ESPN that has been broadcasting uh, any any major soccer games other than, say, TNT that, that have had some of the Liverpool games. And I think FS1 had maybe an MLS game or two. But um, anyway, so, so the 352 was the big one, the ICC. Uh, Atlanta against DC United uh, in MLS on Sunday, uh, 328,000 viewers on ESPN. That LA Galaxy, LAFC one on that Friday night, 317,000 viewers. Um, any other ones there, Kartik, that, that, that jump out at you that are interesting? Oh, yeah. So I just remembered, and this is my fault for not uh, jotting it down. I did watch an MLS match on Fox this week, which was Orlando City and Red Bull. That was Sunday night after that NWSL match on ESPN uh, or on ESPN2. So I, I did watch that match, uh, and it obviously didn't register a good enough number, which doesn't surprise me. We've seen a lot of sub-100,000 numbers for for FS1 on MLS recently. Uh, but the number that really jumps out at me, again, um, is the Atlanta number, 328 for Atlanta. And that took place right before um, – uh, the the NWSL match I was talking about and the uh, and the FS1 MLS match Atlanta DC United three hundred twenty eight thousand Atlanta seems to be and I guess Seattle right those seem to be the only two MLS teams that can consistently break this hoodoo of not being able able to crack um, two two hundred or two fifty in terms of uh, national viewership I know um, the the LA Classico did this week but that's for that specific match. Right. I don't the, when the Galaxy play next. Oh, we saw it in the Leagues Cup. Right. They, they down down to under 150,000 viewers. And when LAFC plays, uh, it, they don't necessarily have a following that follows them. So, uh, again, Atlanta is I don't know if they're an anomaly or they're the um, they're the they're, they're the, the model. This is this is the big question because in when you talk about Major League Soccer and you talk about the new clubs coming in, Nashville, um uh, the Inter-Miami team, Austin, uh, there's going to be a, an announcement about St. Louis very soon. There's going to be an announcement about Charlotte before the end of the year. So you're talking about five new teams, uh, or likely, I should say, St. Louis and Charlotte. Those aren't confirmed yet. Uh, everyone says, well, they need to follow the Atlanta model. Now, the question is, and they said the same thing about Cincinnati. The question is, Chris, now, is Atlanta just an anomaly? Because we're not seeing um, the popularity of Major League Soccer overall, uh, at least as a television property, rise to the levels atlanta is at um, i think I, th- I think i think part of it is so so to me atlanta is an outlier in in, in that um there's, there's two things so I, I could look at seattle sounders and i could look at uh atlanta united the two things that for me stand out are one is a respect for the club this is a both clubs are clubs that are running their businesses in an efficient manner and making in the past they've made some big buys but but probably this, the second thing, more importantly, is um, they're playing exciting, attractive soccer. LAFC is another one. So those three clubs are, I mean, I'm not the biggest MLS fan by any means, but if it's a Seattle, LAFC or Atlanta United game, for the most part, I will tune into those or be more likely to tune in because I'm expecting 
exciting, you mean attractive football, but not 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 only that, but too uh, very fast paced, organized, probably soccer that resembles more the Premier League. I mean, kind of that fast pace, which isn't always the greatest uh, brand of soccer, but will keep me entertained. Now. You mean, maybe those reasons. Those are those are my two reasons. Whether those are the same reasons for other soccer fans around the country that would tune into those broadcasts more than 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 some other teams, that may not be. You mean it may, may not be the same for them. But th- those are the two things that stand out for me, and that's why Atlanta, especially the way they've run the club, the the players they've bought, but more so with Tata Martino in terms of the brand of football that they they uh, played. And the excitement level, that has got me hooked. All right, Kartik, let's uh, move on to listener mailbag. We've got a few here. So first up is Alex G. And Alex says, have we almost hit a point where cord cutting has become more expensive than cable if you want to watch everything? So this this is a tough question because it all depends on you mean. So, for example, um, some places, you mean some uh, if you're a part of a housing development sometimes you might have your cable included uh for free or at low cost uh other times you might have a satellite dish and you're spending say 200 to 300 dollars a month to get everything that you're getting now uh cable it could be anywhere from 100 to 200 dollars depending on what you're getting and all all the different packages and options as well as well as um spending money on equipment that you're renting out or you tie it into, like I say, a one-year or two-year contract. So at the end of the day, it it differs for a lot of people around this country in terms of what you're currently getting if you haven't cut the cord yet. So for me, from personal experience, so I cut the cord, I think, about three years ago. Uh, just moved into a new house, and um, we haven't signed up, signed up for any cable services. So, so we've cut the cord. But in terms of internet service, which is really a, a utility, um, there was, I think, just a couple of options, which was uh, Comcast or Earthlink. And I ended up going with Comcast and uh, have a high-speed fiber connection uh, that I need for for, you know, for work as well as you know, watching movies with the kids, etc. Uh, and I'm paying $60 a month for that. Now, if I add on... Uh, every, if you like Alex says he wants to watch everything well if I add on uh, Fanatis which is $10 a month if I add on Fubo which is I think about $54 a month which has almost everything except for the ESPNs if I add on Sling TV which is I think 20 or $25 a month um, and I, personally I have almost all of the streaming packages available because I, I need to know, I need to be on top of those in terms of figuring out what's working, what's not working, what's great. I mean, uh, is PlayStation View uh, great, wonderful? Is YouTube TV, what does it have? What doesn't it have? So I'm, I'm signing up for a lot of these services anyway, so I can give back the feedback to you guys, the listeners. So to a- answer Alex's question, to me, it's, you're, depending on what you go for and depending on the situation you're in, it could be more expensive than cable or it could be that you're saving a lot of money depending on, on what you're looking for. There's so many options. It is sometimes uh, overwhelming, um, but we're here to help answer those questions to try to figure out the best way for you to get to your soccer watching experience. Now, whether that's through cable, satellite, streaming, or over the air, whatever it may be, um, what about you, Conte? Do you have do you have a sense for if we are at the point 
where it's getting more expensive than cable, or what's your scenario? Yeah, I think it's more expensive uh, if you do all of the packages you need. Let's say, okay, if you're just watching football, maybe not. If you just, you know, you need Fubo and uh, you want to buy some of these various ESPN Plus, whatever. But if you want to watch movies, if you want to watch news, you'll have to pay for some sort of CNN service. You'll have to pay for Stars, Showtime, HBO, all the channels that are offered. They're offered via Apple TV or Amazon Prime or or, or whatever service, uh, Roku, that you use, but you would have to pay for those. So I think it gets your cable bill up to a point where – or your your bill. It's not a cable bill anymore, right? Your bill up to a point where it's more expensive than cable or satellite. If provided you negotiate with your satellite company. Now, uh, I – called DirecTV, threatened to cancel, and got my bill negotiated down, uh, and essentially the channels I wanted and continued to watch for significantly less than I was paying previously. However, there are always these little kind of disputes. So right now, there's some sort of dispute going on between CBS and um, DirecTV, which is uh, preventing me from having uh, CBS of, of the local CBS channel uh, on on uh, DirecTV uh, and the Smithsonian channel and one or two other channels that might be owned by uh, the same company. I, I, I'm trying to remember what co- channels those are, but I'm having um, having issues with DirecTV on that now. That just popped up this week. So yeah. there are always these sort of carriage disputes that happen uh, where channels get dropped. Often they only get dropped temporarily, as we've seen in the case of Bean, they get dropped permanently. But uh, so you you can buffer yourself against that possibly happening by cutting the cord. Mm-hmm. The, the, the two things I love about cutting the cord are one is that there's, there's no contracts. So for example, if you're signing up for direct TV or you're signing up for Comcast, oftentimes there's a minimum one year contract. Um, or if there isn't a, min- a minimum one year contract, you end up pay- having to pay more. So with cord cutting, you can really, uh, jump from place to place to place or try to figure out which solution, which streaming service is best for you and your family and, and your situation. Uh, and the second thing is, is there's, there's tons of free trials available. So most of the leading streaming services offer free trials anywhere from uh, five days to seven days to 14 days. And you can really kick the tires, go for a, a test drive and see what which ones work best for you. That's something you can't do with uh, Comcast or, or DirecTV or or uh, you know, Uverse or whichever, whichever uh, traditional uh, TV distributor. So whether it's cable or satellite, you can't do that. You just have to. You're in, and that's it. You're in, and you're locked in. Um, so again, going back to Alex's question, which is a great question, it all depends on your situation. It all depends on what you want to watch. You can save money and um, cut the cord have an internet connection and then subscribe to the channels or the streaming packages that you want in order in order to be able to watch the soccer that you want. But if you want everything, even if you want everything through DirecTV, which you can't get everything through DirecTV because there's some channels like BN Sports that you can't get. Uh, if you want everything through Dish Network, uh, Dish Network right now has a carriage dispute with the, the Fox Sports regional channels. So you can't get everything through there. So... I guess the great thing about it is that in the land of liberty, there are lots of options available and competition is good. So in, in your, your use case, Alex, uh, just, just see what's out there and kind of test, test the ground and you'll figure out which is the best one for you. Uh, next up is uh, Zaka Takano. Te- uh, 
and Zaka Takano says, guys, the Liga MX broadcasts are now trash. And, and this is me talking. Uh, Liga MX, uh, the new season started uh, just this past weekend. So he says, guys, the Liga MX broadcasts are now trash. In Mexico, it is customary to call a goal and immediately to advertise something to avoid... Now, now to avoid advertising conflicts, when a goal is scored, the announcer voice for the U.S. broadcast is muted and an announcer from Miami essentially calls the goal. Once the on-site broadcaster finishes off with his Mexican ad, the Miami voice pans out and the broadcaster is unmuted. The same Miami voice calls the American ads when that is happening. The, the on-site guy is muted again. So that that's 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 <laughs> I can't believe that that that's uh, really enlightening in terms of so you, if you're in Mexico watching a Liga MX game and uh, there's a goal there's an ad that's played now with Univision Deportes um, rebranding as uh, Tu Duene um, they are working a lot cl- more closely uh, with Televisa in Mexico and sharing a lot of resources and coverage to make you mean kind of their both both of the uh, broadcasters I mean, better and bigger and, and, all, and all that. But in this case, this does not tra- translate well to a U.S. audience where you're going to have an ad for something, something some Mexican product that's maybe not even, even available in the U.S. or is not paying uh, to have um, that, that free ad uh, or that, that ad uh, broadcast to the United States. So that's a bit messy there. Um, but it's definitely some good uh, information there from Zaka Takano. Josh Klemke says, uh, going back to what Kartik was talking about in last week's podcast about how nations were um, basically figuring out ways to um, uh, work the system to improve their FIFA rankings, which could benefit them now with CONCACAF uh, looking at FIFA rankings for World Cup qualifying. Josh Klemke says, referring to Wales and their lack of friendlies, didn't Poland do the same prior to the either the World Cup or, or Euro 2016? I seem to remember the rules being changed because they up-jumped their coefficient by not playing friendlies and ru- ruining, ruining their scores. And I think they actually went up into, I think, the first part, or the, the first part because of that. Uh, Ted says, uh, hi, gents. I know you briefly discussed this on the last pod. But do you have any insights or thoughts on how MLS is scheduling the national broadcasts? Galaxy versus LAFC is one of, one of, if not the premier match of the season. It comes at a time when there's no competition from other soccer, the NFL, American college football, or NBA. Why on earth was the game uh, buried at 10 p.m. Eastern and ending after midnight on a Friday and not in a better time slot for viewers? Now, Kartik, this is something that we've talked about in the past a little bit, is that uh, there's two schools of thought here. I mean, Major League Soccer is definitely, I mean, the clubs are focused on trying to get as many uh, tickets sold for the games and TV coverage uh, is less important in in many ways. That It's really kind of um, more focused on, it seems to be at least, trying to get uh, tickets sold. And, and I think this is a, a case of that too, where if you're in even Los Angeles and you want to watch um, LAFC, LA Galaxy in person, uh, a kickoff time at 7.30 Eastern time, uh, 7.30 local time, sorry, Pacific time would be perfect in terms of trying to avoid the rush hour traffic a Friday night. 
uh, perfect time for a game, even not too early, where it's going to be even hotter. And um, that does not translate well for the East Coast for their time zone, uh, for our time zone. But uh, I don't think there's any other solution other than moving this game to... You mean a Saturday night or or a Sunday night, but then you're still dealing with weather, weather issues. Yeah, I, I think that this is all based on on attendance and and the need to try and create a big uh, event in LA specifically, and trying to create the sort of atmosphere. And we have this for, um, quite frankly, for other West Coast sports. I don't follow other American professional sports, uh, although I do remember when I did and. Uh, you would get the the big Lakers game at 10.30 on the East Coast or or, uh, the big Dodgers game at 10.30 on the East Coast. There is still this issue if you want to watch USC uh, football or UCLA basketball that these matches tend to – or those games tend to start at like 10.30 or 11 our time on the East Coast. And uh, when it – inevitably when it comes to conversation about national championships in in football or uh, uh, the NCAA tournament in basketball, the teams in the West Coast – get less attention, right? Or less conversation because of the time zone issue. So uh, this is, I think, similar. And that's an unfortunate thing. Now with Seattle and Portland, it's a little different because the weather is, is different there, right? Yeah. So you could play those matches at, uh, of, we saw it with the Cascadia match. Sorry, that match was on FS1 also, Portland and Seattle. Uh, we could, you could see that played at 8 or 9, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, even earlier sometimes, uh, seven uh, or six, and get the sort of audience uh, on the East Coast that you want. But L.A. is a, is a different animal. Uh, and the weather, for those of you who haven't spent time out in Southern California, the weather is wildly um, different and unpredictable from one one part of the metropolitan area to another. It, it, the variation in climate, uh, even going from Santa Monica to Dodger Stadium, is pretty remarkable uh, even though it's it's 10 miles or 15 miles whatever it is so uh, it's uh i think it it has a lot to do with attendance to be honest with you yeah. and building up the event as a big event in los angeles itself and it was a great television spectacle in terms of uh just the atmosphere in the stadium and just being you know, sold out and and uh lafc fans uh wearing the camouflage shirts and getting excited and you know, the, the banter back and forth between the LA Galaxy and the LAFC fans. It, it was a good uh, viewing spectacle. Uh, the, you know, the shame of it is for the East Coast, it's, it's really late. But you know, that's part of the problem is, is that the United States is such a large country with so many different time zones that it just not, does not translate well to a national broadcast. Uh, the, the other thing about this too, Kartik, is uh, back in the days of the Miami Fusion in Major League Soccer, I'm sure you remember this, is sometimes uh, sometimes the games in the summertime, we had kickoff times of like 2 p.m. Eastern or 4 p.m. Eastern in the middle of the summer, and it, just for television, because it was a television broadcast, so the game would be on you know, either lunchtime, uh, Pacific, or basically a time zone that would be uh, a good time zone for most of the country. And those games were absolutely, absolutely horrible. It was like, it was just so hot, humid. It was, I mean, even for us in the bleachers or in, in, in the posh seats like Kartik, I'm just joking. Uh, you, you know I mean? It was so inter- intolerable in terms of the heat. And then the players on the field, I always felt sorry for them because the conditions that they were playing under, and this is before we had water breaks, but the, the conditions they were playing under um, and expected to be at a high level, the games oftentimes were slow and, and, and 
boring because it was just the players were just like dying out there on the pitch. So no no easy solution there. So that that's that is a challenge. Uh, moving on, uh, average John uh, Geek says. Um, Look at the ICC game at the Texas Rangers stadium and notice how much wider the pitch is when they can get the pitcher's mound removed. If NYCFC could get the same thing at Yankee Stadium, it would be a big improvement. And I'm sure that's something that NYCFC would love to have. And at the same time, I'm sure the Yankees fans and the club ownership would go absolutely nuts. I mean, that's something that they don't want to do. So they're in a situation where it isn't ideal. Uh, yes, it'd be great to be like the Texas Rangers Stadium, but um, if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen. And that's that's another reason, too, why the NYCFC games, uh, oftentimes in terms of TV ratings, people are not tuning in because those games are... I mean, it's like watching indoor soccer. The, the pitches are so narrow. Um, it, it changes the way that the game is played. It's not a good uh, viewing spectacle. Last but not least, uh, Stephen Kirkpatrick says, uh, while I agree that the new CONCACAF qualifying format creates a big disadvantage for a team 7 through 12 to make their hex, it will keep teams 13 through 18 playing competitive games throughout the cycle, which the previous format didn't do and should improve CONCACAF overall. Now, that's something, Kartik, that, uh, yeah, sure, we'd love to see CONCACAF improve overall. And... I don't know, but but I mean, maybe the Turks and Caicos, maybe um, I don't know Aruba if they have a team or um, Nevis. I, I, I mean, all, all, all these you mean kind of small, which is many many small Caribbean nations, or maybe there's some Central American countries too that may, may benefit from this. Um, does that? Yes, it helps Concacaf, but. Does that impact the United States in any way in terms of having better teams in Concacaf? What, what do you think? Well, it, it would. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I, I think that there are various ways you can improve Concacaf, and there is probably uh, a justification if you dig deep for this qualifying format. However, if you were going to go in this direction. I think it would have been important to have done it now for the next cycle. That way, countries can can do whatever they have to do to game the system or improve their FIFA ranking to be competitive, to be in that top six so that they're not stuck 7 to 12. I think the, the real unhappiness about this is that Canada, uh, Curacao, uh, the who else is just on the outside looking in? Uh, uh, Panama. They they have they're, they're being sprung this surprise uh, when it's really too late to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be in that seven to twelve uh, the, that that group of teams. Uh, whereas uh, the teams that are in one to six, they they. Uh, they're sitting pretty. So I think that's the big concern is if you were if you said to the Canadian Federation uh, in 20, well, what is it now, 2019, if you told them in 2016, hey, qualifying for the next cycle is going to be like this, they may have uh, scheduled very differently to this point. Mm-hmm. And then people might see it as fair. But I, I kind of agree with Stephen's point that it should improve uh, everybody below Team 6 in the future. I just think it's it's hugely unfair to do this when you're already in a cycle and there's not much the countries that are on the outside looking in can do about it yeah and from the tv viewing experience in terms of watching those teams that are 13 through 18 uh even if we have coverage of those games um it's probably on streaming and it's probably flow fc 
which is a whole other story. So it, it's one of those things that, uh, yes, it will benefit those smaller nations, um, but does it have any impact on the big picture? For CONCACAF, yes. For um, for the other countries, not not so much. I mean, because it is very seems to be very segmented, like, like 1 through 6, 7 through 12, 13 through 18. Those countries will probably stay in those kind of splits pretty, for the most part, unless... Uh, Unless unless they are, they can improve, then they can move move up up the ladder a little bit. All right. So if you have any questions for us, uh, have any feedback, or want to rant and rave, you can always reach us via via, uh, via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, um, where can they find your uh, your rants and raves and, and, and tweets and, and uh, keep up, up up to speed on what you're up to? Yeah, uh, KKFLA seven three seven is the easiest place on Twitter. All right, and you can reach me at World Soccer Talk for soccer stuff, and and uh, I'm starting to tweet a little bit more on my old personal account, which is uh, at the Gaffer. Um, but um, there you go. So thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, uh, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate it. And heading into another weekend of soccer from around the world, Kartik, uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.